or they're doing things that scare you. I mean, I think that's a great place to start. You know, it's a, there's a lot of lessons learned on the other side of adversity. And, you know, everybody says, you know, you can't grow in your comfort zone. And however cliche it might sound, like it is true, right? But we need to kind of jump ship and figure out whether we sink or swim. And I think uh, what better way of doing that than buying a one-way plane ticket? Yes, right. <laughs> buying a one-way plane ticket. Man, that sounds great. Yeah, that, that definitely was not me. Uh, when, and, uh, yeah, I had a vision when I was, uh, in my twenties that I, I think inherently I knew I was kind of scared of stuff and that I wanted to evade it. They want to, I don't want to face it. And so my vision was, I want to save enough money. I'm just going to go to Australia and never be seen again in the United States. <laughs> and I just, I, I just didn't do it, you know, and, uh, then life goes by and you, uh, you kind of click off boxes that society says are important and yet you still feel unfulfilled and hey that puts us on a mission and that i just had this conversation with somebody else today which is i think we go through our experiences especially early life so we can feel some pain and that same pain that we just want to evade helps launch us into our calling and what we do and that is called a magnificent plan seems painful as us humans however i'm pretty sure that is um the way it works <laughs> mm. do you think it launches us all or do you think there are some timid individuals that kind of stick in their comfort zone so to, so to speak or the ones that the they know the places that they know yeah, I think there are people who, um, who get stuck. And I am not here to criticize them at all. I, I feel empathy for them. I am stuck in my own ways in some cases too. And so it's, uh, you know, it's humbling being an earthling here at the earth school. And I do believe that we are here to learn just like it is a school. And yet it doesn't take the sting out of going through pain. You know, I think intellectually, I, I do believe that, you know, my spiritual beliefs are that we come here as spirits. We want to come here to learn stuff. We want to experience things. And so what we call uh, a problem or pain or whatever it may be as a human, our soul wanted to experience. And yet with that belief, I still must have some programming inside of me that says, nah, <laughs> you can't believe that. <laughs> because if I really believed that, I would walk through the day with you know problems in the, in the world mm. because and this is a earth experience and um i am an eternal soul and hey everything is game but I, mean, I think that's the fun of it i think it was um yeah it's alan watts oh if anybody hasn't listened to alan watts recordings oh, just take some time and go to youtube and listen to alan watts he is eloquent and funny and I love that rasp coming from sitting, probably smoking five packs a day. <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes into this game. And as he says, the greatest game in the universe is hide and seek. He says, we are, we are God. We are peace of spirit. Come to earth. And then we hide from that. And our job is to, again, seek it out so that we can reconnect. And I, I love that. I think it is true.
And uh, I think we, if, you, if we pay attention, I'm starting to pay attention in life now, is that we can see messages from unseen friends, spirit, whatever we want to call it. It's okay. Uh, it's hard to define. I mean, I don't even think we should define it. And uh, yeah, the whole pain thing and the fear and all that. Oh man, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> I laugh at it because it is so intense as a human. Here we are. Mm. And uh, if we're lucky, I think we do recognize that we got launched into something. We can grab it and we can really live um, with happiness because we are engaged in something that's useful to other people and ourselves. And there are some people, as you say, who get stuck and maybe they never had anybody out there to advocate for them, to pull them aside, be a buddy and just say, hey, there's, there's more out here for you. And I'm fortunate that somehow I was guided into that. And um, now I get to help other people. Hmm. What guided you into it? Good question. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you two answers. One is the, uh, the earthly view of that would be, um, I wanted to be the best sport coach I could uh, and this was for youth sport, my, my kids, and especially my daughter at that time was nine. And she was one of those girls who was going to play with the boys in little league. And I guess about the same time, my son was also going to be playing you know, the little version of baseball called T-ball. And um, this is about 2008. And I was working in the shopping center industry at that time, corporate stuff. And 2008, if you remember, was about the time we were about to all go into meltdown. There was a financial crisis. And, and so I had a lot of time on my hands. There wasn't a whole lot of commercial activity. And I dove in. And I learned about cool things out there that can really help people play their best in sport. And it came out of the world of psychology, leading edge psychology, though, not, not mainstream stuff. Nevertheless, clinically studied. And I, I just fell in love with it. And, and that really got me into things. Now, what guided me there? So one, is, one could say I wanted to be the best coach. Deeper than that, you know, maybe I got a nudge from on high that said, hey, we care about you, Scott. And we, you know, your purpose here is going to be revealed if you just step forward a little bit. And so for me, what that looked like was <laughs> sitting at my desk, looking at my computer, seeing things that I just couldn't believe that they were true. You know, they were these leading edge methods, I keep calling them, but they looked weird. I didn't, I never saw anything like these before. And I came from a world of straight laced science based people. My dad has a PhD in physics. My mother's a biologist worked at NIH. And I was raised in that environment of science means it can be measured and repeated. And some of the things that are in the world of um, psychology and metaphysics cannot be repeated sometimes. You know, we're dealing with, with things that are different. So I'm open to the notion that whatever unseen friends I have nudged me to into that. So I got two answers for you, which represents me pretty well. I got my strong left brain stuff that still is active. And I have my right brain that I'm, I'm letting, letting loose more and more. 
I think I think that's what we need to become, right? Some sort of balance between the two. Like some some situations, some circumstances need us to be a little bit more definitive and be like, okay, well, this is this could potentially be the answer, and let's get it done, you know. And then other times we need to be pulled back a little bit and think, well, it might not be true, you know. What we think is true is only a theory, and it's only what we believe to be true right now. Right, like tomorrow, it could be disproven. We could disprove it. Somebody else could disprove it. And we need to, I think, having a as much as you can an unbiased view. We're always going to be biased, right? We're always going to sit one side uh, closer to one side than the other, right? It's not going to be a pendulum completely centralized. But I think uh, being as unbiased as we can and question ourselves and thought processes and trying to get into the weeds of where does that thought come from? Where does that feeling come from? Why do, why do I believe that? I think that's a really healthy thing to ask yourself. Oh, I think it's great. Um, <laughs> yes, Alex, thank you. I know we would connect because uh, you just stumbled on or stumbled. You just said something that is profound, which is how come we're not curious about things? Mm-hmm. How come we like to jump to conclusions? We like to go quickly from, oh, he just said something, boom, that, that's either right or wrong. And I think it's an issue of safety, right? If, if we, if we uh, and energy usage too, we'll call it. If we have to examine everything, that's a lot of energy, right? I mean, this is why the, in the world of brands, a brand exists as a shortcut for humans. We just simply start to accept it. We think, oh, that brand represents something and we don't have to examine it all the time. And it becomes a trusted brand. And that's why Madison Avenue and others spend billions of dollars trying to come up with brands to help us and help themselves, really. Um, but it affects us in a profound way because we can, we can sh- short path that energy usage and maybe use it for something else. Now, it can be used for nefarious reasons, too. right? We can use branding to, uh, to guide us and messaging to guide people. And, oh, that's a whole other topic um, for sure. And then... Um, Hmm. I don't know. I lost track of my thoughts on that one, but that's okay. Oh, good, bro. Things happen, you know. I do it all the yeah, time. Exactly. I'm blonde. <laughs> <laughs> blonde blue collar that somehow stumbled into this adult PE thing, and it's like, okay, let's try and teach people a little bit of fitness. But I think... Um... Adult PE. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, that's, that's where we connect, too. I, I really liked your podcast, and I, I mentioned to you, you would have interviewed somebody in my world, and, you know, you're connecting the... Um, really the non-physical with the physical. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. That's a a beautiful thing because we are not just physical and we're not just non-physical. And that's the silo is what people love to do in society. Mm -hmm. We even call it, it's like mental health. What is that? No, Mm -hmm. it's health. Mm -hmm. It's just being a human, all aspects intertwined. And so we're starting to get back to that. And certainly the ancients knew, knew that the indigenous peoples knew that it's just us modern advanced humans of society today that have separated it all that's the question are we advanced <laughs> you know in, no in some areas yes and in, in many areas i would you know i would argue no as well like it's that's right become reliant on on one pillar and we've built that pillar as high as we can and we've forgotten about the other pillars that hold up our mm-hmm. house you know and i think uh be curious is those two beautiful oh, words it. that being you said curious. yes being curious that's it 
thank you for getting me back to where we were. Uh, yeah, be curious. It's like, uh, if I can interject on that, you oh. know, as a sport coach, my audience, I have a podcast, folks, it's called The Spirit of Coaching, and it's fledgling. Uh, I think we're on episode eight. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one of the things I do say to coaches who listen is, hey, instead of judging your, your player, be curious. Why are they behaving like that? I know that you want to give them a kick in the rear end. Be curious and maybe even ask them, you know, and those simple kinds of acts go a long way and they can keep us out of trauma and they can uh, resolve trauma. Maybe, you know, this certainly don't, doesn't hurt and it requires a different mindset and it requires probably that coach to do some own, their own personal growth work, which hey, not everybody wants to do. And so it's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, that, that five word beginning with C and ending in Ouch, right? It is one privilege, but it is a multifaceted job. And I think if we come in as a solidified person of this is who I am, I'm not going to fucking change. You guys got to change to me. <laughs> I think we just, we, we discard so many people, especially if we start working with youth. Right, we discard so many to fringes, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, this type of person will succeed through under your wing, under your wing, I should say. Like, well, what are what are we what are we here for? We're here to to help people. You know, there there might be some pro athletes in there, but there's going to be a lot of people in there. You know, and we need to mold and meander on down the frigging riverbed <laughs> for these people. So we have to change, and I think. Um, yeah. Asking them why. The law of five whys, right? Ask somebody why five times, you get to the real answer. You get yeah. to the actual core. You know, like we need to be tuned in with the energy of the room. You know, like this week. I mean, last, what day are we? We're Thursday today. So turn Tuesday into Wednesday. So Tuesday night, we had a full moon. Wednesday was a little bit off. But the two days before the full moon people were off mate people came into the gym completely off you're like guys you are you doing all right yeah sure no 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 less (laughs) of the bullshit now yeah don't lie to me because you're not doing all right because i see you bloody six times a week you know and i constantly for the past six months now no Things are things are getting a little weird. Is it because of the full moon? What's going on? But blah, blah, blah. you you got to got to start unraveling those layers, right? Asking, and it might seem like the hippy dippy, hairy fairy, soft skill type stuff. I was like, I would argue, coaching is this beautiful amalgamation between hard skills and soft skills, and that little yes. bit of intersection in the middle—that's coaching. Oh my gosh, yeah, that, and that's where the great coaches are. They just they understand people and they are also keen observers hats off to you alex for being one of those observers i am blessed to be connected to the physical training world also um, one of the people that i hang out with is a fellow named darius gilbert darius is a world-known kettlebell master and he always talks about you know, come up with your plan with for your client and as they walk into the gym or the studio as we call it watch them and then be ready to throw that plan out the window. 
because of exactly what you just described is that they could walk in and you're like, mm, their energy is low. And the left brain folks who have you know, more funds, they would do an HRV measurement of somebody and say, oh, today's a low HRV day. Just jump on the treadmill and go home mm-hmm. after that. You know, if you're high, okay, man, we're going to push it. We got it. Let's rock. And that is really next level coaching. And, you know, one of my discussions with um, my buddies in the physical therapy world here is, hey, that's, that is the next level physical therapy too, is that it's very clear that the progress that a client is going to make in getting back to the field or getting back to competition is measurable. You know in advance. How do we know? Well, because there's been studies that show it's a fear-based model. Those who are afraid of pain will return slow, more slowly. They have, it's, it's really evident. They've, they've done this. There's a study in Canada that came up with this. It's on the internet. Anybody can look it up. And so if we can address a client's or an athlete's fear of pain, and that pain, I think, could be emotional as well, although they were referring to physical pain in this, um, then I think they're gonna, we're, we're going to benefit people more. And that's what I like to do with, with my clients. I'm not a physical therapist. I work with athletes and when we can remove whatever subconscious programming is in there that they're usually not aware of, sometimes they are, man, all of a sudden the body gets freed up to play great and it happens super quickly. Sometimes in that same day, that same moment, other times it may take, you know, a number of weeks. Um, but it's, it's a miracle every time. And we're, I think we're just, again, back to the point of remembering how beautiful and intricate the human system is. It's not just physical, it's mm. non-physical blended in and we can have subsets coming off of the, both of those physical and non, non-physical categories. And it's super cool. And uh, I love hanging out again with the physical people because um, it's, it's a rich, wonderful environment and, and it's fun to have a body that works and all that stuff. And then to blend it with, um, these fast and, and clinically proven ways of dealing with emotions that get trapped in the body and slow us down as athletes. And, oh man, it's super. Yeah. Our job is being a detective, figuring it out, finding the right clue and then addressing it with the right thing. You know, sometimes it is physical. Yeah, cool. But then what's the, what's the carry on effect? You know, what's the ripple? You know, we've just addressed, we got to the, we got to the, uh, maybe the core, the core of the problem. Cool. cool we're going to end up fixing this up now. But what was the repercussion from that? You know, maybe you got hit by a car and then we've, we've fixed you up. Yeah, great. But what's the repercussion of that? And I think a great example of that in a sport realm is concussions, right? Yeah. Like, all right, sound, we've done the return to play protocol. We've made sure you were all good. We've treated the symptoms. You've had your 19 days reset and turn around. We've done everything. We've ticked the fucking boxes. Yeah, but if you've got smashed in your head hard enough, you don't want to get hit in your head again. That that hurts. That hurts a lot. So now we've got a lot of fear attached to that, right? And then it's now it's addressing the psychology. Maybe there's a little bit of like uh, short-term depression in there because of, you've got some bloody trauma to the brain. You know, it's, I find it fascinating. It's like, yeah, okay. We are so obsessed with finding the car. And I think that's correct. we got to find the car, right? we got to find what is 
the thing that's triggering all these other problems, especially when we bring it into the gym setting or a sport setting, right? Yeah, but what else was messed up? The whole system was kind of shook. It's like an earthquake. You know, yeah, yeah, we found the epicenter, yeah, but we got liquefaction down the road. We're now going to rebuild the ground. Oh, I love this conversation. Let me jump in if that's okay. Yeah, Boy, of course. I got, I, it's hard to see. You can't see goosebumps on a podcast, but that's what I have <laughs> right now because I love if – I, if, I, if I have a superpower, it is – I think one of them is connecting dots in somewhat disparate you know, conversations and categories. So I was watching a presentation done by a professor at the University of Maryland here outside of Washington, D.C. And if I'm not mistaken, he made an astounding connection – between the ACEs or adverse childhood experiences of an athlete and the rate of concussion. Okay, this is like, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but he's saying, and I, I want to believe this because I think that there's something to it, is that the more adverse childhood experiences you've had, the greater incident of concussion as an athlete later in life as an adult. And you think, well, how in the world could that be? And at best, it could be correlation and not causation. I don't know. I'm open, though. I'm curious, back to our original conversation, as to what's really going on, what's happening in our system that might make it more prevalent, open us up to this concussion experience. I don't know. I got a devil's advocate point, I guess. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because they put themselves in positions and situations with a higher potential of receiving concussion? So they'll play more physical spots. They will mm. be a little bit fearless. They'll run in with their head, right? Because they've already experienced a little bit of trauma or physical pain or or, or even emotional, mental pain. And they just want to get it out. And now they're putting themselves in situations where, well, I'm kind of rolling the dice on this. Like I could receive a concussion because I'm playing American football or I'm playing rugby or I'm playing lacrosse or whatever, rather than I'm swimming or mm-hmm. football, which is like a European football, which is very low rate of concussion um, unless you're playing, playing in goal, right? Maybe it could be that. I'm trying to draw parallels from my own experience and people that I would play with. I played rugby union, right? And a lot of the aggressive kids, unfortunately, me being, me being one of them, um, <laughs> had, uh, had gone through some stuff. When you actually have a conversation with them and dig deeper, they've, they've gone through some significant stuff as a, as a younger, younger lad. I think you're on, I think you're onto something. I think that there is something in there likely at a, at a subconscious level. Mm. And they are attracted to that for, for reasons. I, mm. You know, we don't know what that is. That is, but that again is like, wow, wow, wow. Think about mm. the implications of that. The stuff that we go through as humans early in life, they say zero to five or zero to six, our brain waves are like an adult who's been hypnotized. We're really good. They hear, oh, kid's like a sponge. He soaks up information. Well, that's kind of true. It is yeah. true. There's no context with it. And so we are apt to um, do whatever we can to survive and making sense of the information is not important. (laughs) 
you know, our job at that point is to simply survive because we're kind of powerless um, in society at that point, right? So the socialization process is, uh, <laughs> it gets us there and it, so it helps us survive and get part of society and, you know, be one of the, of the billions here. However, it, it really has implications if we don't, we'll call it reconnect um, mm. with, um, you know, what Alan Watts was talking about. Mm. I think. And then there's, well, that's it, right? We, we can only think and then let's try and figure it out and at least push the, uh, push the chess pieces forward so somebody else can pick up that game and keep playing, you know, and keep yeah. sharing information and figure it out. And, and you got me not worried, but you got me uh, joining two dots here with the rate of concussion in one individual and then the rate of depression in their later life, you know, CTE yeah. and, and sure. all that stuff. And and then what does it link to antisocial behavior? What does it link to addiction? How does it link to uh, disturbances within the home? You know, and then if they end up having children, what does it then pass on? And it's like, are we discarding people too early and not really treating the core you know, finding that epicenter, well, how do we prevent this? I don't know, probably prevent people from smashing their face all the time. It's probably well, it, not wise. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Well, I think, um, so I was just having a conversation with somebody who promotes the notion of the ACEs study, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Uh, her name is Cindy Stanford. I think I'm okay to use her name. And we were just talking about the notion of the power of epigenetics on people and again it's back to uh, well how does this affect our bodies let's put it in, back into the world of the physical it's in our training world you know some athlete who comes in and he's exhibiting he or she is exhibiting certain physical characteristics um, we can we can try all day long with our correctives and all sorts of stuff and to try to help that athlete if they've experienced some of these adverse childhood experiences, call them traumas, age zero to five, and they haven't been addressed. I'm just telling you, I've, I've seen it. It's not, it doesn't have to be uh, just taken on my word. There's plenty of people who are writing about this now. Um, Bessel van der Kolk with uh, The Body Keeps the Scores, one of the famous books out there now, and lots of them out there explaining that we're going to use, we'll, we'll dive into Bruce Lipton for a moment. Dr. Lipton studied um, stem cells back in the day when nobody else was. And this is back in the 60s. He got into epigenetics and as he says, energy drives chemistry, drives biology. So the energy of that trauma, the emotions around it, we'll call it. And we'd all put off EMFs, that's energy, um, based on how we feel about a certain situation. We have that energy of trauma, which is, you know, let's call it uh, a certain frequency, that's going to shift the chemistry in our body, the neurochemistry that comes out of our brain and gut is going to be reflective of stress. And then we have cells that are going to get uh, dying off and, and recreated. And are they going to be created in the chemistry of um, productivity, we'll call it, or happiness, or is it going to be created in the environment of stress? And there's a huge impact. Uh, this is the science of epigenetics. And it is just fascinating. And 
it's important, I think, in our sport world or our physical training world to recognize that, you know, and, and come up with a solution that will help people. Um, because I think it's really frustrating when your coach has one tool or one viewpoint and, you know, yeah, we bang away, we bang away. You're not working harder. They're frustrated. They may call you name. You're lazy. You hear, you hear this all the time. Coaches label flares mm. instead of, again, we're back to, hey, let's be curious. And is there another way out there? Maybe as a coach, maybe I can just ask for help and somebody else in the world will appear and help me to understand what can I really do to help my client at the deepest level, mm. not just worry about their uh, physical metrics. It's cool. Again, you're back to what you said is like, we are, we are sleuths. Uh, and we try to figure out in our bag of tools and tricks, <laughs> what, what we can do to help somebody be prosperous and happy. I think, what do you think? I agree. You know, I really do agree. I think, uh, I think having one tool is not the way to go about things, right? If we continuously beat the drum, the skin will become taut and eventually break. We need to learn how to develop our skills in other ways. You know, I don't think skills learn are conditional to the environment in which we learn it. I think they are transferable, right? And I think we need to be curious in many, many different aspects and forms under the big umbrella of health and wellness. You know, go learn from a PT, go learn from a head coach, go learn from a chiropractor, go learn from an osteo, go learn from the fucking yogi that just talks about spirits all the time and just like their eyes are crossed and you're like, this person's crazy. You're like, yeah, but they might be speaking some sense. You know, there might mm -hmm. be something in there that we that we can take away. And then we just bring it into this melting pot and, and stir it up. And then, I mean, I think that's a beautiful example of, uh, was it Darius? the, the yeah. kettlebell guy, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful example. We got to do our prep. We got to do our planning, right? And one of my favorite things about coaching is doing the best plan in the world and somebody comes in and metaphorically speaking, rips it up in front of your face. And now mm -hmm. you've got 45 minutes to figure it out. And you're like, ah, okay, well, I guess we got to, I guess we got to figure this out. You know, yeah. and we just pull from those, those tools that we've, ended up developing and, and and witnessing from different practitioners, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, now help the individual in front of you. You know, I say it all the time of, you know, we, we teach the movement, but we coach the individual. The movements don't change. It, this is a deadlift. This is a squat. This is football. This is hockey. You know, they, they don't change, but the person does. And so do we. We change day to day. You know, maybe we're off. Maybe we're having a bad day. Maybe we've got to be the one that apologizes. Maybe we're like, guys, like I am really irritable today. I've got to give you less words because if I try and speak, maybe like I trip over my words and I can't, you know, communicate myself effectively. It's like, that's okay. Then just rudder adjust, man. Just rudder adjust. It's not linear. You know, it's not a straight path. It's not meant to be. You know, those little turns and tricks and, here, there, and everywhere is, they're just lessons. Just uncover that rock, have a little look underneath it. Yep, learn from it. Yep, put it back, carry on. I love that. Um, a couple things you said really resonated. Um, you know, uh, hmm. I listened to a lot of stuff. I can't remember the person that said this, but he was talking about the effect 
that we can have on other people. It was probably at a, at a quantum level or again, kind of a un, undefinable using traditional standards level. And he said, if you get into that situation where you're, you're feeling like you're really judging your client, said, step back for a moment and, and ask the question, who is this person that's judging this client? Mm. And they said, at that point, you don't have to get a, an answer or anything. You have shifted the energy around your dynamic with your client. And he said, just play with it and just continue to question yourself like that over the course of time. And just notice what happens to your clients. You know, because they're picking up your non-physical wavelength, if you will, your, your radiation of, of uh, energy. And all of this stuff, by the way, is, is all measured these days, right? People think I'm talking, you know, crazy talk here. No, this is just EEGs, EKGs. That's all it is, you know. And they know that our heart is, has a huge field compared to the brain. Our heart field goes out at least three or four feet. And so if you're with your client and they're, th they're three or four feet and they're, you're three or four feet, you could be six feet away from each other and you're really having your energies bump up against each other. And so it's important for us to realize that as teacher, client, <laughs> humans, that we can impact other people just by the way we are functioning inside of ourselves. Mm. And this is huge, right? I mean, and now it's like, oh, really, Scott? So I just went to PT school. I paid a bunch of money and they didn't teach me any of this stuff. <laughs> and now you're telling me I had to go learn some more things? I'm like, yeah, that's the fun part about being a coach or a trainer, right? I think at least is, you know, continually learning about new stuff that's going to impact um, other people. And I just think it's more fun. <laughs> more fun and then we get to be a little bit of jedis doing that too <laughs> for sure for sure you know and uh it's like learning to drive a car you only truly learn once you pass your test mm. you know you got to get out there and get in front of people and mess it up and try again and you know it's like guys i don't know how many times i've taken shit classes man or just done something <laughs> like that did not work <laughs> that really did not work yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, like that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to learn from it. As long as you don't break somebody and like yeah. you're, you're supposed to communicate with them and you know, just play chess with them, figure it out. You'll be all right. What has been, uh, let me turn the, court, turn the uh, tables on you here. I'll put my podcast host on for a moment here. Alex, what has been some of the uh, great sources of wow learning from that you've experienced? In person? Yeah. Every person who works through the door. Mm. I learn way more than from them than they do from me. That is for damn sure. Cool. Way more. And uh, yeah, people people always fascinate the shit out of me, man. Like the, the stuff that they come out with, the I don't know, there are individual stories that are so unique yet so similar to everybody else. Like because we have the benefit of seeing so many people we can see the similarities yet when you look at the individual you see the uniqueness um there's a lot of lessons in there cool brother thank you so much this has been an honor and a privilege mate so much fun and i uh, hope we get to do it again and if i can return the favor someday that would be awesome this has been a great conversation dude let's do it again sometime stay in touch you got it brother thanks alex my man you have a good day you too Bye, everybody.